0: All right, for our subject this morning, John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Brotherly Love. John 13, 34 and 35, our starting scriptures, our text. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love One another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. Well, Jesus said by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. Do all men know that? Does everyone that knows you know that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ? What is your love for the people of God? What is it like? Is it fervent, real, genuine, consistent? We'll look at some examples this morning of what the Bible tells us, how to love our brethren. The Bible tells us Suspend for your brother. To long for each other. Paul said some laid down their neck for him. The Bible teaches us to abstain from our own will for the sake of our brother. The Bible teaches us to tolerate our brother. It uses words like forbear and long suffer because it's not always easy to put up with some people. But you have to anyway. So the Bible must have recognized that. It's in there. It says forbearing one another, long suffering with one another, And the Bible teaches us that we should demonstrate our love by doing those things that will help one another physically and spiritually. Sometimes people have a hard time doing that. There are those who are always willing to help physically, but don't have a comprehension of spiritual help. But the Bible commands us to do both. a new commandment jesus said i give unto you i don't know why he used that terminology this hasn't re- this isn't really a new commandment is it what is the first commandment boys and girls what is the first commandment love the lord thou shalt love the lord thy god with all thy heart soul mind and strength, right? That's first commandment. God's family. Brother George Wilson brought that out ever so powerfully in one of his messages. He preached two messages, and the first one he brought that out ever so powerfully. It was so the the anointing of God and the presence of God was in that service in in a most powerful way. You just had to be there to 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 feel it to sense it but god started with a family he made adam and eve in the garden of eden right and then the devil intervened and caused all the the hatred and the uh, started with envy between brothers right and has so dis, uh, disrupted humanity and so distraught it down through the ages of time and christ come to as the solution, as the answer to put that family back together so that we could love one another and enjoy one another and treat one another like we ought. Now, governments through the ages of time, and Brother George, very uh, good historian, he knows history very well, have attempted to Uh, resolve the problems of humanity and and teach us to get along with each other. And we're still working at that. In fact, our nation in current times uses human rights. You hear the term human rights a lot. And we decide if we're going to trade with China or not based upon their human rights policies. Right? Well, what about our human rights uh, track record? Not too good in a lot of respects. At any rate, governments have attempted through law, through legislation, through force, to get people to treat one another the way we ought to. And it don't work. You cannot force someone to love you. You can't do it. The solution, the, the method that God has chosen is that we will love God, that we will repent of our sin, that we will put ourselves on the cross, that we will deny ourselves and live the way God wants us to live. And when we do that, then hooked right to that first commandment is the second one, which is love your neighbor as yourself. So when Jesus made this statement, a new commandment I give unto you, I assume that he made it because the people of that generation had lost sight of it. So therefore it was new. And we could say in our generation and in our time, there are a lot of people that have lost sight of this commandment. So it's new. It's new to a lot of people. Love one another. A new commandment that I give unto you. Remember this 13th chapter John, this setting... This is the Last Supper. This is where Jesus ate the Last Supper with his disciples. This is where he washed their feet. This was the last time he would sit around the table with these 12 men that he had chosen as his disciples. And so the words that he was was speaking to them at that time, because he's not going to sit with them together again, He won't be teaching them on the hillside no more. His ministry with them is essentially over. So he's emphasizing what he wants them to know, to remember. Love one another. And the way you love one another, by your love for one another, the whole world will know you are a disciple. Now see, religion has invented all these other ways of knowing who's a Christian. Right? Right? We know that some people think that we know they're Christians because they wear black outfits and ride in buggies. Some people think we know they're Christians because they don't wear any jewelry or war paint. Well, the Indians called it war paint. Some people think that we know they're Christians because they go to the Church of God. Some people think we know they're Christians because they go to the Church of the Brethren. And so on. Right? But that isn't what the Lord said. The Lord said the whole world will know you're my disciple. Based on one point. The love you have for one another. And that's been strained to such a terrible degree. Brother Wilson in his second message was preaching to that people have become so convinced of their church that they would rather their friend, their brother, sister, or family member go to hell than go to some other church. Now what kind of love's that? That don't make any sense at all, does it? And, and that's what George said. He said, that's idiotic. And it is idiotic. Love one another. That's the commandment that Jesus gave to us. That, is, that should be the emphasis. Let's review a, an account in the Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. First Samuel 18, 1 through 4. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And you can read more about the relationship between Jonathan and David. It's, it's very interesting because Jonathan was the king's son. David was just a little shepherd boy that came in out of the mountains from watching sheep. You, it would have been the normal thing to expect that Jonathan, being the king's son, would become the king in his father's place. And here comes David, who was anointed to become the king in his father's place. But Jonathan, instead of hating David, or instead of envying David, loved him with such a strong love that the Bible said their souls were knit together. That's love. That is really love. And being that their souls were knit they literally were. They made this covenant, this agreement between them that nothing would ever separate them or part them from that fellowship that they enjoyed, from that deep friendship. And it didn't until their deaths. And there's a lot more that you could read in, about that relationship. But it isn't something that's unique to the New Testament. That's why I wanted to go back to the Old Testament and bring this out, that where the where God has his way with people and when people acknowledge the will and divine direction of God, we can do more than tolerate one another. We can learn to love and to appreciate each other. In the book of Romans, chapter 16, verses 1 to 4. Romans 16, 1 to 4. I commend you unto Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Chesanchera, that ye receive her in the Lord as become a saint, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a succour of many, and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Paul, writing to the Romans, is commending them to Phoebe, a sister no less. And there again, some people would rather you die and go to hell than hear a woman preach. How idiotic. And isn't it interesting that Paul, in addressing the Romans, advises them to give Phoebe whatever she needs because she's been a succor of many. In other words, she's edified or helped or built up many, including, including me, Paul says. Good admonition, right? So it doesn't have to be a man. And of course the argument is, well, all 12 of the disciples were men. But we know that God pours out his spirit on men and women. In the book of Acts, chapter 20, reading from 17 to 38, Acts 20, 17 to 38. God had revealed to the Apostle Paul that he was going to Jerusalem and that there he was going to suffer many things beginning there. He would be bound. He would never see these brethren again that he's talking to. He's leaving them. He knows that God has already revealed to him. To him, he will never see their face again. So, this is his farewell message, and that makes it very significant. Verse 17, Acts 20. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ." And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all, and they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake that they should see his face no more and they accompanied him unto the ship. Sorrowing much, they're not going to see him again. This this sounds like a real sorrowing time. You know how it is when you go to camp meeting or you visit with someone and and you're you're going to leave and you're not going to see him for a long time saying goodbye sometimes takes some people hours because they're not going to see him again for a long time but he and here in this situation they knew they'll they'll see his face no more this is the last time we're going to see him We don't always have that opportunity. God doesn't always reveal that to us. It behooves us to think and to remember and to listen. Particularly, you know, as we get to know one another, the world says familiarity breeds contempt. I don't read that in the Bible anywhere, but the world says that. As you get to know one another, there's things about other people that bug you. So you have choices to make. You can refuse to get to know them and be strangers. Well, not much love in that, right? You know, that's why some people never get married. They've been burned too many times, so to speak. And so they decide right, I don't need that. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to open myself up again to be hurt because if you if you love you become vulnerable. you can be hurt because of, because you open up and it's a vulnerability there. But if you don't do that, you miss the greatest blessing. Of living in in this physical life, love. Because you can have all the material things this world can offer, and all the wealth and, and all of those things. But if you if you don't have love, what do you have? Nothing, because it's empty. That's what First Corinthians thirteen tells us. It's just like banging cymbals, and it's it's just empty without love. So you love and you open up and you get to know one another as you open up and as you become familiar with other people, you learn their faults as well as their uh, assets. Do we not? We all know it's true. But someday, someday, I thought of this when we were there at the minister's meeting. Now, Brother Collins Bless his heart. Brother Collins can talk, can have something to say for a couple of minutes, and 20 minutes later, he's still at it. And oftentimes you wonder, did he say anything? But you know someday will be the last time I'll hear him do that. And then he'll be gone. And guess what's going to happen when he's gone? I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss him. Even though he does some things that bugs me, particularly when it's time to quit and he starts on his 20-minute speech. And bless bless that congregation. They got another old brother that's been saved just recently, a couple of years, that's worse than Brother (laughs) Collins. So bless those people. Not to just tolerate them, but to love them. So it'll help you in in appreciation for your brothers and sisters. If you just think a little bit, someday I'm going to miss this. I, I encouraged the camp meeting in Oregon one year that way because Sister Stegmaier loves to sing. I have never seen anybody love to sing like that. And they'll sing a song and she'll say, could we sing that third verse again? And then they'll sing that. Could we sing that fourth verse again? You know, And, of course, people who, who are there week after week after week become weary of that. And when the enemy would cause you to become weary of some of the things about one another that kind of just get next to you, think about this. They won't always be here. And someday I'm going to miss it. And someday I'm going to miss even the things that bug me now. Someday I'm going to wish they bugged me. And if, if you think about it, those of us that have lost parents or brothers or sisters or grandparents that we were close to and some of the things they did bugged us. But most of us say we would give anything if they were here today to bug us. Right? Well, that's the family of God. And the devil's business is to get us to uh, fight one another, to have friction, envy, strife, debate, all those things. That's the devil's business. And we have to work at this love business. Husbands and wives have to work at it, otherwise they don't stay together. And, you, and we live in a culture where people don't work at love very much. That's why the divorce rate is so high. That's why the runaway rate is so high. And we, we were in the runaway state. More runaways go to Florida than to any other state. And they've been doing that for at least 400 years since the Seminoles ran away and went there. But more people run away. More uh, young people run away from their home. And why is that? The love doesn't work, doesn't operate. People fall out of love easier than they fall in love. Right? So we need to work at it. We need to remember, take heed to ourselves. Paul gave this final message, and he said, "You take heed to yourselves, pay attention, and feed the flock, encourage one another, edify one another." And in verse thirty, he said, "There would rise from among, from right from among you, there there would be those that would rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves." We see this particularly in churches, in church organizations, where somebody wants to be the big eye. Somebody wants to be the big cheese. Somebody wants to dominate. Somebody wants to control. And when you try to dominate and control the flock of God, all you do is damage. All you do is damage. God never intended for us to dominate and control one another. He intended for us to lead each other. By example, he intended for us to love one another. He intended for us to serve one another. You go back to the 20th chapter, Matthew, I believe it's 20th chapter, but you read there where Jesus gave the instructions to his disciples. And he said, the Gentiles, they love dominion. And they love to have authority. And because they came to him, some of his disciples came to him, And they wanted to sit on the right hand and on the left in his glory. And they wanted to have the authority. They wanted to to say, you go and you go. And they wanted to crack the whip, so to speak. They wanted to be the boss. But Jesus said, among the Gentiles, that's the way they do. And when you look at all the government organizations that the world has ever come up with, and the most famous thing we use, the parliamentary procedure and the system of voting, or dictatorship, or whatever it is, it's all designed so that everybody can be controlled by one person or by a few. Jesus said, it'll not be that way with my people. He said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, he that will be the greatest in the kingdom of God must be your servant. And that's the only way that it works. You can't fault. You can't. It's hard to get mad at someone who serves you, right? It's hard to to maybe to stay upset with someone who loves you and who does the things for you that you like for them to do, right? So it's happened like Paul prophesied here in his prophecy. In fact, right down to this present day, we have people who are trying to be lords and masters over the flock of God. They want to run things. They want to, I I called them for years in the military, kingdom builders. It's always distasteful to me, the kingdom builders. And you can't, it doesn't work. It never did work. It never will work. Lyndon Johnson was going to uh, declare war on poverty and was going to eliminate poverty in the United States. we got more people now than we ever had more poor people. In the midst of the longest expansion, the best economy that we've had for the gr- longest period of time ever, and we still have millions of poor people in our country. Well, if you'd have read the Bible, you'd have known that. Jesus said, the poor you have always. Poor you have always. Brother Emerson Wilson used to say that he believed the reason we always have the poor is so that we will share. We that have more. Well, at least they're here. And that was part of the message that Paul gave. He reminded these brethren that Jesus taught us it's more blessed to give than to receive. And that runs counter to the human. The human likes to receive. But Jesus taught us it's more blessed to give. In the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. Philippians 1, 1 to 8. Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And only you that have experienced that can really understand what Paul is saying. How greatly I have longed for you in my heart. I know I think as i making plans and preparations to make this trip to Nigeria. Oh, I look forward so much to, to being with Brother John again. When we meet someone, when we become acquainted and our souls become knit together, how we long to have that fellowship with them and to be with them. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1, Philippians 4 verse 1, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. In fact, we have confidence in this that someday, when we make it to that blessed other shore, we won't ever have to leave. We can be in in each other's presence for eternity. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 21. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 21. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Notice how Paul tells us this, that he was given this thorn in the flesh. And a lot of people give a lot of interpretations of what they think that thorn is. Uh, To me, I believe that Paul's explanation there in the 10th verse is pretty much explained. I believe he pretty much explained it himself. He said infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecutions, distresses for Christ's sake. Those are the things he was telling us that he came to take pleasure in them as opposed to asking God to remove them. So if Paul needed a thorn in the flesh, maybe you need one. And maybe she's sitting next to you. <laughs> or maybe he's right nearby. Well, it doesn't have to be that way. But uh, what I'm trying to say is God knows what we need, right? And there are times we need rebuked. We need uh, setback. We need someone to pull us up short. We need reproached. Paul said he learned to take pleasure in, inform- in these things. Yes? Because you, when you recognize, guess I needed that. I didn't think, I needed, you know, there's a lot of things that happened to me I didn't think I needed. <laughs> but like the Apostle Paul, there's no point in complaining to God about it because God knows what you need. He knows what I need. And I might need more thorns than I thought. Verse 11. I am become a fool in glory. Ye have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you, for in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds, For what is it wherein ye were inferior to other churches, except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me this wrong. Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. And you know, isn't that so often the case? The more you spend and are spent for some people, it seems the less appreciation is there. So, if you ever feel like that, just remember, Apostle Paul wrote it in the Bible. He wrote it in the Bible. But do you think that caused him to quit spending and being spent? No. Nope. And I will very gladly... No one had to drag this out of him. He said, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, even though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing it. This is the love of God we're talking about. This is the power of God we're talking about. This isn't human. This is why Jesus said, when you see people doing this, you know they're disciples because that's beyond human power. That's beyond human nature. Human nature doesn't do that. Human nature says, Ha! That'll be... You'll, the, you'll know the next time I do something for you. That'll be the day. That's human nature. But the love of God so makes such a new creature out of us. A different creature. Because we know they need it. And we know that we, because we love them, we're going to spend for them anyway. And we're going to be spent for them anyway. Not We're not just going to do it grudgingly. No, not grudgingly. Gladly, he said. I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. He didn't simply say, I will spend and be spent for you. Every word in the Bible is important. Jesus taught us that. He said, I will very Gladly. He didn't even say, I will gladly spend for you. I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Even though you're not responding like I want you to. I'm going to keep doing it because you need it. Because you need to hear the gospel. Because you need this opportunity. Because I love you. That's why I'm going to do it. Verse 16. I better get away from 15. But be it so, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you with gow. Did I make a gain of you by any of them whom I sent unto you? I desired Titus, and with him I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of you? Walked we not in the same spirit? Walked we not in the same steps? Again, think ye that we excused ourselves unto you. We speak before God in Christ, but... We do all things dearly, beloved, for your edifying. That's the bottom line. For I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as ye would not, lest there be, see when he's coming back, he doesn't want to find this, lest there be debates, envyings, wraths, strifes, backbitings, Whisperings, swellings, tumults, all the human reactions, all the human, the flesh rising up because he was hurt, because he was offended, because somebody stepped on his toes, because she gets to do this and he gets to do that. And and they never ask me anything and nobody speaks to me and nobody visits me and on and on and on. Paul said, when I come back, I want to come to you a third time. I don't want to find any of this. And you know, someday Jesus is coming for the church. And he don't want to find any of this. He wants us to get ready. He wants us to get prepared. To get rid of all this. And lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you. And that I shall bewail many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. That's why we spend and are spent, so that we can get the way God wants us to be. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 20. Romans 12, 1 to 20. Now I know you're not used to such a long message. But see, the reason Brother Lonnie didn't preach as long was so that I'd have more time when I got back. <laughs> now, bear with me. This is important stuff. Romans 12, to 20. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor preferring one another. Isn't this wonderful advice? The bodies put together. God put the body together and he has all these different parts. And you put them all together, and Paul talks about it as a body. We can relate to a physical body. Every part of it is necessary. Anybody want to do without their little toe? I mean, it's insignificant, you know. Until you until you don't have it, right? In fact, every every part of your body is so significant. That your father in heaven has the hair of your head numbered. That's awesome. Every part of the body is so important. So when we talk about the body in a spiritual sense, the spiritual body is the church. And of course we're all different. And of course we all have these different gifts and abilities. So let everyone operate and let everyone do, do his part and let everyone fill his place. And, and us, let's just be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Verse 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of saints. Given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. And weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend them in a low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible. I'm glad he put that phrase in here. As much as lieth in you. I'm glad he put that one in here. Live peaceably with all men. If it be possible. As much as lieth in you. you got to work at this. This is tough. This isn't automatic. This is difficult. Some people, it's just hard to live peaceably with them. So you're going to have to work at it. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, Give him drink, for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So there's there's the formula. That's how you treat your enemy. That's how you conquer your enemy. You do good to him. How can he fight you if you feed him? How can he be angry with you when you're giving him drink? Even the world knows that. That's why the the world, in their sales operations, give salesmen the uh, expense account and say, "Take your clients out to dinner and buy them whatever they want. Uh, the uh, treat them to the finest dinner and and so forth, because they know if you feed them. Even though they think in their mind that they not gonna influence me any." will. It will. And who is your enemy if you're a child of God? Who is your enemy? The sinner. The sinner is your enemy. And where's your practice ground to learn how to treat your enemy? The home. The family. The family of God. Learn how to treat them. Learn how to do good to them. And learn how to if, if they uh, do so, uh, something to you that you don't like, don't come back at them, but do good to them. Because then when you, as we work in the practice, this is our training camp. Then when you go out there on the job or in the business or in the schools or whatever, then you're able to do it there. Because we've taught you how to do it here. Right? So that's why God puts together all these cantankerous people in one family. So they, so that's your opportunity to learn how to be kindly affectioned one to another and how to treat one another with love. In the 13th chapter of Romans, and I guess I won't read the whole 13th chapter, but you can do that for a bedtime story. But through that whole chapter, he goes on talking about this same thing, how we ought to treat one another. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers. But there's no power but of God. The powers that be ordained are of God. And in that 10th verse, he says, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Because love worketh no ill to his neighbor. And then in the 14th chapter, he goes on through the 14th chapter. Driving across this point. In verse 4, he said, Who art thou that judgest? Another man's servant to his own master he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. First John chapter 4, first John chapter 4, verse 7 to 21. Beloved. 1 John 4, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God, love his brother also. If you love one another, Jesus said, if you have this love one to another, the world will know. There's a Christian. That person's a Christian. And believe me, the world's looking for it. Here's our training ground. Here's our practice area. So that's why I scheduled for tonight appreciation. Don't want you to tell me any of my faults. Not tonight. If I ever want you to tell me my faults, I'll ask you. But that's dangerous to do that. If I I ask God to show them to me because he's much more patient and kind and goes a long way around and is very cautious and <laughs> right but love one another love that's a commandment it's Jesus commandment because it isn't natural it isn't a natural thing to live in a fleshly body with all the fleshly appetites and desires and so forth it is it's it isn't natural it takes god's love it takes god's power It takes God converting us and making us a child of God to really love one another the way God wants us to do. Amen? So let's go to work. Let's work at it. Let's work harder at it. We want the world to know. We want the world to know that that our God sent His Son Jesus into the world. We want the world to know there's hope we want the world to know there is a family of God where everybody loves one another. They don't tear one another down. They don't talk behind one another's back. They don't do all those things at the debate and envy and jealousy and all that. God's family. No. They love one another. They encourage one another. They edify one another. They build one another.